What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Wednesday, May 19th. I'm Elise Hugh, in for Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, the podcast that's recorded in the bed of an EV truck driven by the president. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't go easy either. He's flooring it. <laughs> the man is honestly obsessed with transportation. All right, so first things first, we have a new amazing guest host with us today, Elise Hugh. Welcome to WAD. We are so, so happy to have you. Elise, if you do not know, does basically everything. She is the host of the podcast TED Talks Daily, host at large for NPR, correspondent for Vice News, and co-founder of the podcast company Reasonable Volume. It is so amazing to have you with us. I'm never too busy for you and the WAD squad, Gideon. Thank you. On today's show, Congress sends a hate crime bill to the president to address attacks on Asian Americans. Plus, we'll have headlines. But first, the latest. At least I can tell you the past few hours, I was just like running from stun grenades in Shashalah right now. I just came back. That's why I said, like, why should we do video or not? Because I just took a shower just to get get the skunk water out. Yeah, so that's Inez Abdul-Razak, Advocacy Director of the Palestine Institute for Public Diplomacy, who I spoke with yesterday. And we're going to hear more from her in a moment about what it's been like on the ground in Israel and Palestine. Yeah, and I want to hear that. But first, Gideon, can you give us the latest updates from the Middle East? Yeah, so in addition to the hundreds killed in Gaza that we mentioned on the show yesterday, there are reports that several vital resources have been destroyed for the two million people who are living there. On Monday night, an Israeli airstrike significantly damaged a health clinic in Gaza City. That clinic reportedly housed the only laboratory in Gaza that processes COVID test results. What's more is that there are reports of sewage systems being destroyed, water pipe damage for many people, and a desalination plant going offline, among many other things. There are also major fuel and electricity shortages as well, with reports of some families getting just three to four hours of electricity a day. So it is basically ballooning into a humanitarian crisis affecting basically everyone. And then in southern Israel, local police said that two Thai workers were killed from rockets launched from Gaza. So where do things stand now on the calls from the international community to get this to stop some sort of ceasefire? Yeah, they're definitely getting bigger and bigger. So in an emergency meeting yesterday, European Union foreign ministers mostly called for an immediate ceasefire while adding that the number of civilian casualties in Gaza was, quote, unacceptable. Yeah. Then in the U.S., there was some reporting that President Biden might have taken a harder line with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Mm. the private call that he had than Mm. what he said so far in public. But given what we've heard in public, you know, (laughs) that might not be saying too much. Yeah, I'm skeptical that he really took that much of a harder line. But I guess you're right. This is really by inches that we're talking about. Yeah, I think others are skeptical, too. So uh, during a visit to Michigan yesterday, Representative Rashida Tlaib, the first Congress member of Palestinian descent, reportedly confronted Biden face to face. The New York Times said that she said his stance was enabling crimes being committed against Palestinians. 
So we should point out there were protests during Biden's visit in Dearborn, Michigan. That was part of a broader day of action that included a pretty unprecedented general strike by Palestinians across Gaza, the West Bank and Israel. Yeah, that's right. And that's where Inez Abdul Razak was prior to our conversation yesterday. Oh, okay. She was in Jerusalem. And here's part of what she had to say about what she saw. So basically, um, it's impossible to peacefully protest, you know, more than 40 people in more than five minutes, because then the police is uh, just getting violent and dispersing everyone and throwing stun grenades, throwing stun grenades and uh, and skunk water and um, and firing like uh, you know rubber bullets. Um, and I know it was bad in also in in Ramallah. There was action Ramallah. The mobilization was amazing. It like thousands of people in the street. And so we were connected with different friends and you know people in Gaza, like our friends in Gaza, who are literally just trying to like survive against the the bombings. Um, they they don't have obviously the ability to to mobilize right now. But I think they also look a lot at what's going on in the other places in Palestine and um, including Haifa and, you know, Lid and all these places. So I think, um, you know, the strike was, was I think, well uh, followed and um, there was mobilization. Yeah, it's pretty impressive what we're seeing outside of Gaza itself. Yeah, definitely. As of recording, Initial estimates of the crowds were hard to come by, but some reports said that hundreds of thousands participated in the strike to the point that you just made. So a pretty significant moment of unified mobilization. And she added as well that one of the motivating factors behind the strike was to not allow what was happening and what has been happening to fade from view in the future. I think there is still a fear that, you know, tomorrow if there is a ceasefire, that's not enough because the Palestinians have been asking for lifting a blockade that has you know, um, been there for 14 years in Gaza. Uh, the the annexation is 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 going you know worse and worse. Demolitions of houses and and expulsions have not started with Sheikh Jarrah. They've been ongoing uh, and even rising during the COVID-19 um, pandemic. And all of this, you know, is is somehow uh, invisibilized usually. And so I think obviously, you know, this is this is a moment to to talk about these things. Um, but again, I, th- I think there is still that risk that when uh, there is less of the, the really high intensity uh, violence and, and what people portray as a war, then eventually we might go back to before. And this is not what the Palestinians want. So that's why they also called for this strike today. Yeah, there is that sense of these endless cycles, even if this round of fighting does come to an end soon. Yeah. Gideon, earlier we talked about how international leaders are responding, but what does Inez say about what the world should know about what's happening to people on the ground, like herself, and how locals are able to get their message out? Yeah, so she said voices in the U.S. like Representative Tlaib are important, but, you know, if not more so, is the use of social media, particularly by younger Palestinians, which is really helping to change the narrative. I think we've seen how also young Palestinian voices make it to mainstream media uh, and also the narrative that we're trying to change uh, and basically how to reconcile and end the cognitive dissonance that is huge between the political discourse and the framing and the narrative with the reality on the ground is also uh, being shattered. Uh, and I think that's that's very important because what we see is really this um, discontinuing um, you know, push by obviously Israel and their allies to continue to present this as, you know, uh, 
a conflict, uh, essentializing it as a, as a religious conflict, as an ethnic conflict, uh, even presenting what's, you know, um, ongoing, um, the ongoing uprising by Palestinian citizens of Israel as a civil war or the mm -hmm. end of coexistence. All of this, which is, is, is not uh, the reality. The reality remains one of settler colonialism. We're going to hear more from her and other voices in the coming days as we follow the story. And in our show notes, we'll link to some organizations where you can donate to help the people in Gaza. But at least let's pivot back to the U.S. now and talk about a hate crimes bill that just passed in D.C. Yeah, they acted in a bipartisan way, Gideon. Huh. No hmm. way. Hmm. <laughs> I don't believe yes. it. Yes. <laughs> in a bipartisan vote, um, Congress has addressed the wave of violence against Asians in America after Asians have been scapegoated for the past year plus for coronavirus. Mm. A new hate crimes bill just cleared the House with a 364 to 62 vote. All 62 no votes were Republicans. Mm. This already had cleared the Senate last month. So now the COVID-19 Hate Crime Act, as it is named, is on its way to the president's desk. New York Representative Grace Mung sponsored it in the House. Here she is on the House floor yesterday. The COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act is a necessary step to confront the second pandemic of racism and discrimination. We cannot mend what we do not measure. Yeah, and let's focus on that measure part that she mentioned for a second. So... What changes after this bill gets signed into law? What would it actually do? Let's tick through those real quick. Um, it establishes a new Justice Department position to speed up the review of COVID-19 related hate crimes because expediting all of this and expediting this process has been important. Mm -hmm. um, it also expands the channels to report the crimes. Grants are going to be opened up, federal grants for law enforcement agencies that train their officers to identify hate crimes in the first place. The bill also calls for making a series of public education campaigns around the anti-Asian bias issues. So this data part you're asking about, yeah. we have tallies now from outside groups, but we don't really have a clear government number or even a baseline on hate crimes themselves. So mm. crimes committed on the basis of race, religion, sexual orientation. We just don't have good numbers on this because reporting the crimes isn't systemized and law enforcement often just doesn't classify crimes as explicitly hate crimes right. because the standard for prosecuting them as such is just so high. So this bill calls for the AG to issue guidance. I know that's a little squishy, but um, it calls for the AG to issue guidance, which will help standardize systems to collect hate crimes data in the first place. Okay. So we should mention also this couldn't come soon enough because right. just yesterday, another Asian man in New York, this time in his 40s, was yeah. repeatedly punched, told to go back to China, then bitten <sighs> on the hand. And yeah. this is just one of innumerable incidents. Yeah. So at least break down just how bad it's gotten since coronavirus came to the U.S. Yep. and the former president started calling it racist names that we don't need to repeat here. It's gotten real bad. This is the worst I've seen in my lifetime as an Asian American, right? Stop yeah. AAPI Hate, which is a group that tracks these crimes because they often go unreported to the police, showed that incidents against Asians nearly doubled from March 2020 to March 2021. And now some 6,600 such incidents have been recorded. Asians being robbed kicked, beaten, slashed across the face, spat on, children are get, getting spat on, set oh. on fire even. Um, these attacks, like, they just make me recoil. I'm so sad and also just enraged, right, at yeah. the same time. Um, like all the little hairs on the back of my arm are just standing up right now even thinking about this because when we have to take in the enormity of all this violence, you know, you can't help thinking of your parents, your grandparents, you know, shop owners that we're close to uh, feeling really vulnerable, right? And yeah. on edge. 
And of course, this is all following that mass shooting in Atlanta, right, that killed eight people, six of them Asian women, though the grand jury there in Georgia has now handed down the indictments against the white man who is in custody. Um, The prosecutor is going to charge him with hate crimes and is seeking the death penalty. So there's that. And now there's this bill. Right. And so the bill does sound like a step in the right direction. uh, But we should also talk about the fact that some folks in the AAPI community are a little skeptical here. What are some of the reasons for that? This is thorny, right? Because relying on fixing law enforcement or just plain adding more cops to address these racist attacks is a real source of debate within communities of color in general and the AAPI community included, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we have to remember the AAPI community is huge. It's not monolithic. And trust in law enforcement, especially among marginalized communities, is often quite low. There's fear that hate crime statutes could be used disproportionately against Black and Latinx suspects, right? Um, Which could then just exacerbate race tensions. So there's about 100 AAPI and LGBTQ groups that voice their concerns uh, about this bill ahead of its passage. They Mm. were arguing that it just doesn't deal enough with the root of anti-Asian bias, which, incidentally, fun fact, is the same reason that House Republicans said they voted against the bill. (laughs) One of them said, you can't legislate away hate. Uh, you can't legislate away a lot of things, but you could still try. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the whole thing is just really complicated because hate crime laws and statutes are rarely used. The bar for proving a hate crime in court is ridiculous. Right. You have to say, I am committing this violence because you are brown, black, et cetera. Mm. And you can't just think it. Right. And now you also have to pass this bar that it's because of coronavirus. So in the Atlanta shooter's case, he just blamed it on a sex addiction. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, the bill is now on the president's desk where it is expected. He will sign it into law before the end of the week. Well, that is something we can look forward to. And that's the latest for now. It's Wednesday, Wad Squad, and for today's Temp Check, we are talking about cash for shots. So last week, as our listeners probably know, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine announced a lottery that will give $1 million to five randomly selected residents who get the coronavirus vaccine. The program is called Vaximillion, and since its debut, some pharmacies and local health departments have reported an uptick in people coming in. Okay, good. Over 25,000 shots were administered in Ohio this Monday, making it the highest vaccination day in the last three weeks. FYI, if you're under 18 and cannot gamble, you can still win big in Ohio. Five vaccinated people in this age group will earn full scholarships to any of Ohio state colleges and universities. So, Elise, what are your thoughts on this program? And should states do more to gamify public health? I love it so much. I don't love the name. I don't love the name. Vax a million. I feel like they should have workshopped that a little more. But um, I'm all about harnessing sort of middle brow populism, right, to help America get to that 90 percent vaccination rate. That would be a dream. Um, And also (laughs) vaccine hesitancy and lottery enthusiasm are just two sides of the same disregard for statistics. That's true. So (laughs) why not use the power of that disregard for statistics in a positive way? What do you think? I know. I think that's exactly right. I love all these incentives. Uh, The mayor of New York City was eating Shake Shack on television just a few days ago. Delicious. uh, Disgustingly discarding his half eaten fries back into the container. That's a no go. But otherwise, you know, like (laughs) these incentives are are great. 
I think every state should be given something. I just don't want it to get to a point where there are people, myself not included, I would never do this, to be clear, let the recording show, would never ever do this. (laughs) But some people might feel, if they got vaccinated early and they don't win a prize, they might feel left out if we actually succeed and start doing this a lot more. You wouldn't be dishonest. You are a Webby Award winner. This is true. I yeah. I would never. I would never uh, register in Ohio. Never own five residences. Uh, purchase multiple lottery tickets. Nothing of the sort. Congrats to everybody that is participating in the Vax Million program. And just like that, we have checked our temps. Stay safe. Gamble responsibly. Find a way to get the vaccine. Either way, please. Um, and we'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. The North Carolina police officers responsible for fatally shooting Andrew Brown last month will not face criminal charges. 
District Attorney Andrew Womble made the decision yesterday saying the shooting was, quote, tragic, but, quote, justified because the officers believed they were in danger. On April 21st, three deputies surrounded Brown's car to serve a drug-related warrant and fired 14 shots as he attempted to drive away. Brown's family commented on the footage earlier describing the killing as an execution since Brown was trying to get away from them rather than attack them, as police had claimed. Lawyers for the family maintained that it was an unjustified shooting. The FBI is still working with the DOJ in an investigation of the shooting, and the three officers will be reinstated and retrained. So how are you in danger if somebody's trying to get away from you? Hmm. All right. Well, the International Energy Agency released a report yesterday saying that to avoid catastrophic climate change, the world needs to immediately stop approving new oil and gas projects and halt the sales of new gasoline and diesel-powered vehicles by 2035. Doing this would allow us to cut all carbon dioxide emissions to net zero by 2050. And according to the IEA, it would also help grow the global economy. Hmm. How about that? The report says that already approved oil and gas projects could continue, but world governments would invest heavily in renewables like solar power, wind energy, electric cars, and other renewable energy sources that maybe haven't been invented yet. I'm, you know, I, I'm all about innovation. <laughs> it's a somewhat surprising analysis coming from the IEA, which is actually known for being pro-business and isn't traditionally seen as an ally to environmental groups. But there you go. I hope that the aliens that are circling the sky do have some renewables that we could maybe trade for. You know, I'm sure that they've thought far ahead in this. We're going to need them by 2035. Yeah. So act fast, aliens. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're saying. Get on it, folks. Uh, most of us look at Rudy Giuliani and see a man under federal investigation facing a massive voting machine lawsuit and actively melting right in front of our very eyes. And we say, yeah, he's great. But is he ever so going to office again? He is dripping at all times i don't know why you can't dry yourself in the various contexts that you're in sir just just maybe think about that uh well we just got the next best thing yesterday giuliani's son andrew announced he's running for governor of new york in 2022 now giuliani's only political experience to date was in the trump white house where his role was quote liaison to the sports community that person key role key position, uh, so key, in fact, that that person is weirdly second in the presidential line of succession. You can oh, hey. look it up. Um, <laughs> so to put voters' minds at ease, he went genetic with his qualifications in his campaign announcement, saying, quote, I'm a politician out of the womb. It's in my DNA. Uh, you know, for me, this logic applies to other fields, too. If I need a doctor, but I want to save money, I will simply get medical care from a doctor's baby. If Giuliani gets the Republican nomination and current New York governor and accused sexual harasser Andrew Cuomo runs again, I believe he wow. will, uh, New Yorkers will get to make one of the least good choices in modern history. For me, I'll be voting for a doctor's baby. Wow. Can you imagine that being a selling point? I'm a politician as I'm coming out of the womb. Like, that is not something to aspire to. Absolutely not. Yeah. You, you're wearing a suit already? It's just I'm not bizarre. putting that on my campaign posters. I wouldn't even... Yeah, I wouldn't even put that on a campaign poster for a bad middle school student council election. Uh, no, absolutely. Not even on my, my politician enemy would I put that on their campaign poster. No. <laughs> Gideon, do you want to hear about cicadas? I, that's what I've been waiting for. That's why I logged on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I'm substituting today. All right. Some cicadas are experiencing every drug user's worst nightmare. A trip so bad it makes your butt fall off. Oh, no. <clears throat> Forgive me for what I'm about to say. To back this thing up for a second, <laughs> with no disrespect to cicadas, often, often when cicadas emerge, a small percentage of them get infected with a fungus. It's called Massospora. 
This so-called mind-controlling fungus does different things to different kinds of cicadas, pumping them full of either amphetamine or psilocybin. So it's what we call a party fungus, and bugs can go to jail for it. Either way, (laughs) the end result is that the cicadas get hypersexual, which you would think is good, right? Mm -hmm. But additionally, spores grow wildly in their bodies to the extent that they quite literally eject their own butts. Wow. It doesn't sound great, but according to a professor interviewed by NPR, the cicadas don't seem to mind and probably don't feel pain while this is happening. Hmm. So our thoughts are with any bug spending their last days horny as hell and high <laughs> out of their minds. This is a psychotic energy for, for Brood X. It was already fairly psychotic energy they were bringing into the world. I'm really only filling in this one day this week, and I got the cicada story. So thank you very much. Yeah, the gift of Wad keeps on giving, and those are the headlines. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, hold on to your butts, and tell your friends to listen. And if you are into reading, and not just the many degrees and honors of a baby doctor like me... (laughs) What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Elise Hugh. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and eyes, eyes on, on the, the road, road Joe. Joe. Listen, you can joyride when we're not in the trunk. But right now, <laughs> you got to cool it. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun and Jazzy Marine are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.